This is the Bluegrass Beat Podcast. News, training, and first-hand accounts from Kentucky's leading law enforcement professionals and instructors. And here's your host, Critley Kingsmith. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Bluegrass Beat. I'm Critley Kingsmith. Most of you will have heard of them. Columbine, Sandy Hook, and Marjorie Stoneman Douglas. And in Kentucky, Heath and Marshall. To many, those names bring back memories of fear, tragedy, and the senseless deaths of innocent individuals, most of them children, at the hands of active shooters on school grounds where they believed they were safe. Following the January 23, 2018 shooting at Marshall County High School, Kentucky legislators, educators, and law enforcement worked together to create the School Safety and Resiliency Act. The act was signed into law on March 3rd of 2019 in a collaborative action to provide a secure learning environment for children within the Commonwealth. One objective of the act was to establish the Office of the State School Security Marshal here at the Kentucky Department of Criminal Justice Training. Joining us to talk about his latest report on school safety is Marshal Ben Wilcox. Welcome to the show, Ben. Uh, Thank you so much for having me. Well, everyone here at DOCJT is well-versed in what you do. For our listening audience who might not know, what is the Office of the State School Security Marshal and what are you all doing to give Kentucky schools the tools they need to prevent incidents like those we mentioned earlier? Absolutely. So the uh, Office of the State School Security Marshal was was mandated with the passing the School Safety Resiliency Act, just like you talked about, and it created an office that has on-site compliance checks to make sure the mandates of the School Safety and Resiliency Act are being followed. So we have 15 compliance officers, uh, that's three supervisors, 12 compliance officers. They're all located regionally throughout the state, and they have schools assigned to them, and every year they go in and complete a risk assessment. The risk assessment had to be approved by Kentucky Center for School Safety, Kentucky Department of Education, and uh, that risk assessment follows the mandates set forth by the School Safety and Resiliency Act. And our job is to make sure all all, all the mandates are followed, and if the mandates uh, are not being followed and the school needs assistance to get to that point is that, you know, we will assist them with that, kind of get them pushed in the right direction to make sure that we're 100 percent compliance with all the safety and security mandates set forth by the act. From what I've heard you talk about before, it's not just a, a compliance function. You will also function as a resource, right? Yes, that is correct. Uh, we like to say we're not the hammer looking for the nail or the, hey, we got you. It's OK. These things need to be fixed. You're non-compliant. We need to get them fixed. How are we going to do it? Either we can help you or we'll call in our friends at Kentucky Center for School Safety. They could come in and assist with emergency operation plans, training for their gatekeepers or the person that sits at the front door to let people into the school. So we're always trying to maintain that 100% compliance because that's what we have to have to keep kids safe in the state of Kentucky. And our report shows that, that uh, the schools are making a commitment to safety, not just a compliance. So, yeah, we're compliance officers, but you almost want to call us commitment officers as well. And our uh, compliance officers have great relationships with the schools. They know the principals. They know the school safety coordinators. They know the superintendents. They go in and train teachers. They go in and train staff on this is what needs to happen. This is layered security at your school. This is how you relate to kids. Uh, you know, and we do training with SROs as well. We train them on the the act. We train them on the security measures. And we have a very active role in their 120-hour certification that they have. 
So we both have mentioned the School Safety Risk Assessment Report, which is the report that just came out as of this taping. It came out yesterday. Came out yesterday, yes. Um, so this was your third report, is that right? This is our fourth, fourth report. report. Yes, we're, fourth report. Yes, we're starting our fifth uh, round of uh, on-site uh, risk assessments this year. So we've been around for longer than you think. You know, it, it goes pretty quick. For those that might not know, what is the report what what are you all looking for and what have been some of the biggest changes we've seen this past year well the report is broken into three different parts and uh, we follow again every mandate that's set forth in the school safety and resiliency act and that's the great thing about the act is it's not just about access control it's not just not about putting sros in the building it's a very comprehensive look at school safety and uh you know, I'll quote my good friend John Akers. It says it's always hardware and hardware, and that's what you're looking at. The hardware being your access control, uh, your security, and your hardware is, you know, getting to know your kids and making sure that they feel safe. And if there's issues, helping them with those issues. And that's what this bill does. So, you know, when we go in, uh, the first part of the risk assessment is your access control. And that's making sure your exterior doors are controlled, making sure your check-in process is the way it should be, making sure that there's visitors tags and people are, you know, showing their IDs when they come into the building, stating why they're there. You know, before we let someone into a building, we want to know what they're what they're there for and if they should be there or not. Exactly. And uh, we're, we want to keep those folks that don't need to be there away from the kids. And so, you know, that's the first part of the actual risk assessment. And actually, the the access control, which is 1581623D, is directly connected to approval of funding. So if a school is out of compliance with that first portion of the risk assessment, they won't get approved for uh, funding for uh, new construction or renovation until they're back into compliance. So that's a, a very big reason to make sure you're in compliance, besides the fact the most important reason is keeping kid, kids safe. The next portion of the risk assessment are things that have to be done but are not connected to approval of funding. So that would be making sure your emergency plans are where they need to be, uh, making sure that, you know, your counselors are, you know, spending enough time with their kids, making sure that the trauma-informed teams are in place, the, the risk assessment teams or the threat assessment teams are in place and maintained. You're doing tours of the school with first responders, all of those things that are in that particular portion of the risk assessment. So they have to be done, but it's not connected to funding. The last portion of the risk assessment that we, we complete is what we call current trends. And we don't usually list those in the report when we set them out because what we're doing is trying to figure out what's going on in the state. What are the current trends? You know, who's doing what? And then, you know, if a school says, well, we'd like to start using, say, a, a, a check-in system, we can say, well, these are the schools that are using this. You can contact them and see how it's working for them. So it, it allows the other schools to be a resource. That's correct. Best resources we have are people that are already doing it, so we're not reinventing the wheel. You know, it works when we can say, well, this district, you call this district and see how it's working for them. And they may say, well, it's not, or it is, or this is how we implemented it. It just makes for a, a better community. And that's what you got to do is have that community effort to make sure your kids are safe. I noticed in the governor's press conference that they mentioned a 99% compliance with uh, some security requirements. Can you that talk is, about that? That is correct. The first portion of, like I just discussed, the first portion of the risk assessment is access control. Just like last year, we had a nearly a 99% compliance with access control, which is an improvement. We've, we last year we had 99%. That's up from the year before. That's up from the year before. So, you know, who has 99% compliance with anything? Now, what's our goal? We have to have 100%. So we've got to continue. And I think that having compliance officers that walk into the schools every year makes 
people aware and reminder to them that we have to be doing these mandates and having that relationship and having our folks teaching the teachers about this and staff about this. I think that's why we have such a high compliance rate is because, again, the teachers and staff have made that a commitment to them. And so we're very, very happy with that. And we got to continue to strive to keep that 99%, 100% is where we want to be. The report noted that there are more school resource officers in Kentucky schools than ever before. Can you explain the significance of having these trained professionals in schools and the efforts that educational institutions are making to place them on their campuses? Absolutely. So um, the bill requires that there is a SRO on every campus that's a certified police officer that is in the process of or has gone through the 120 hours of SRO certification. Now, our certification is, is phenomenal. You know, there's firearms in it, there's active shooter response in it, but there's also mental health for students, how to deal with students with special needs, uh, trauma-informed care, all of these things that um, 99.9% of the time is that officer is going to be an informal counselor or mentor to those kids. It's the time that they have to be the tip of the spear and the protector of those kids is where we train firearms and active shooter. But when the School Safety and Resiliency Act was passed in 2019, uh, there was around 400 SROs in the state. We're up to 685 SROs in the state. That's 51% of our campuses are actually covered, and over 760-some schools have an SRO actually assigned to them. So we've seen a 66% increase in the amount of SROs in the last four years. Are we at 100%? No. Are we really close? No, but we've got to get there. We're continuing to move forward. Next year, we're going to show even more SROs because we're training them like crazy as they come through the academy. And speaking of training, I know that you all assist with the SRO training. So can you talk about that? Yeah, so this year in 2024, we're working on making our SRO training regional. We're going to be utilizing our compliance officers along with trainers from DOCJT to have regional training and have it during the summer. So if you're from Western Kentucky, you're not having to leave your school in March to come to Richmond to train. You can stay in your region, have your training there, and we're looking at block scheduling. So you may have one day here or one day there. It's not a whole week that you're out. And uh, we've had a lot of support and requests from our superintendents that say, we really don't want our SROs gone for a week during the school year. So we're working on keeping them in school, letting them do their training during the summer, and making it easier on them. And, of course, with our staff is very close with our SROs, so they're working with people they work with every day. So that's that's going to be our trial next year to see how that works and see if that works well for our SROs. In your report each year, you make a safety and security recommendations for the next uh, year coming up. Can you go over those for us? Absolutely. So a lot of them look a lot like the same as last year. We've got to continue to have a culture in our school where we always have safety and security at our forefront. We've got to make sure our teachers have that culture uh, and that they make that commitment. But there were some changes in the um, law this year that required to have more in-depth look at emergency plans as in regards to automatic external defibrillators, emergency operation plans that have simulation for use of automatic external defibrillator, and just some changes that need to be made into their emergency operations plan. Those questions have been added to the risk assessment. We've trained all SSCs which is school safety coordinators this year on that. 
and we'll be working, of course, with schools to make sure that their uh, emergency plans look the way they're supposed to be look, looking. So those are the biggest changes that we've actually had in the uh, recommendations. Our recommendations always include making sure that our teachers are watching the active shooter video that's been put out by the Department of Criminal Justice Training. We put that out every year, and by law, they have to watch it. And the biggest thing about that is not just watching the video because you're not going to learn how to respond to an active shooter in an hour, but you are going to be able to take that information and make a plan. And that's one of our biggest recommendations is making sure that you make a plan with the people around you of how you would respond to an active shooter, where we're going to go, what we're going to do, what happens if we're in the library, what happens if we're in a cafeteria, having that plan. And if you have that plan in place, you have a much better chance of executing that plan in a stressful situation. So, you know, that's uh, obviously one of our uh, our big recommendations. A couple things to go over, you know, as for our first responders, and, and included in that recommendation is obviously uh, with new emergency plans is making sure that you're working directly with your school on their emergency plans. Their emergency plans include you because you're, you're the ones that are coming. Right. So, exactly. uh, you know, EMS, fire department, law enforcement, law enforcement probably going to be the first ones on scene is, you know, making sure that your school is contacting you, asking you about that. Because by law, they've got to go over the emergency plans with you. And uh, we really don't want just that emergency plan mailed to the police department and you put it on a file. We want you to look over it. You know, if you have new officers, new deputies that they're at the school walking around and seeing what it looks like, meeting the principal. They need to be really familiar with it too. Yes, absolutely. And, you know, part of the bill is it. Law enforcement tours the uh, school and, and goes over the emergency plan. And doesn't have to be just a chief that does that. You ask a principal, they're going to want a officer walking through their schools. So, you know, anytime right. you want to show up, and we always say, show up and see if they got square pizza and corn in that day <laughs> and get yourself something to eat. I'm sure that they'd love to have you. The kids love to see you. And, you know, that's you know, some of the recommendations we have is that even though it's in the law and we, we do that every year, we have to be reminded to do that every year. Right. One of the other recommendations is, obviously, we're still working on getting our SROs in the buildings. That's going to be a goal. That's going to be a task. Schools are, you know, tell us all the time it's finding personnel and finding the funding for it. One of the other recommendations is, is by law, it's a goal is to have one school counselor for every 250 students. Three years ago, the ratio in the state was one mental health professional for every 350 kids. It's now down to one mental health professional for every 306 kids. So we're getting close to that 250, but people ask me all the time, well, you're you're just worried about having SROs in the building. I'm like, now nah, that's one tool. We don't build a house just with a hammer. You know, you've right. got to have more tools in your tool bag. And, you know, your counselors, your mental health professionals, and your SROs, are phenomenally worked together. The SROs, you know, that that mentor and informal counselor and the protector of the schools, but you always have to have that mental health professional. We keep talking about mental health, mental health, mental health. Well, we've got to have someone that knows how to deal with mental health in our schools to help our kids. Exactly. So it's there. So that's, again, one of the recommendations that we always are looking for. Which makes me be reminded, I don't think that we could end this podcast at all without talking about Handle with Care. Oh, absolutely. So uh, Handle Care program, you guys uh, have seen the videos. I hope you watch them every time you come to DOCJT. I hope uh, schools are out there, um, you know, making sure that uh, you're making those Handle with Care notifications. The biggest part of the Handle with Care notification is our officers. Because if the officers don't make that handle with care notification, then the information's not going to the schools. If you don't know what it is by now, if you go into a situation where there's a juvenile or a child that's involved in some type of trauma, and people ask me all the time, well, what is, what's the definition of trauma? 
you tell me, your presence in the room could be trauma. Someone may have never had a police officer show up at their front door because grandpa passed away or someone's in an argument or there's been a burglary. So the best thing to do is, when in doubt, go ahead and make that notification. It's right, very, it can look a lot of different ways. Yeah, and, and it's very simple to do. You know, go hit that little heart button on your KY Ops program. You know, find out the information, the child's name, where they go to school, their age. Send that out, and then you drive away, and they'll never hear about it again. But the teachers and principals on the other line of that the next day love to get that notification. As a police officer, if you could get a notification of something that could happen on a call that you're going to, you want all the information you can have. So if they have that information on the kid, it makes their day and that kid's day much better if they know how to respond when that child shows up to school. We've been hearing that you've been doing a lot of traveling and mm-hmm. talking about all the good stuff that we're doing here in Kentucky regarding school safety. So what's your favorite place that you've gotten to visit? Oh, goodness. Um, I've had an opportunity to go to Houston. I've had an opportunity to go down to Florida, to Orlando, opportunity to go to New York. Of course, we travel all over the state. Been to Wisconsin, been to oh, Illinois. Yeah. And I think they're all my favorite places because I know this sounds cliche or whatever, but when you walk in, everybody wants the same thing. They may have different accents when you get there. Uh, I've spoken to folks from Louisiana, Alabama, you know, California, everywhere. They come to these conferences. And I mean, all jokes aside, it's really cool that other states are, are yeah. recognizing what we're doing. They want to hear from you. Yeah, you know, and when you get up in front of the group and you've got people from the 50 states sitting in front of you and you start talking about, well, we have a group of individuals that go into schools every day. And they're like, what? And I'm like, yeah, we do risk assessments on 1,327 schools in the state of Kentucky. This is how we're doing it. This is what the schools have to do. This is our training for SROs. We have a lot of states that are reaching out to us to say, how did you make this happen? What's your legislation look like? You know, and now that I'm going to more of these conferences that are out in the country, I'm finding that a lot of the legislation looks a lot like the state of Kentucky's, and they're asking us how we're making it work. That's the beauty of it is that it was almost like we had this little great secret going on in the state of Kentucky, and we're finally getting it out there. And it's not just us saying, hey, look how great we are. It's, look, this is what's worked for us. In about a year, come back and tell us how it's working for you, and we'll be happy to utilize that information to help us out. Right. So we're, we're all part of the state. We're all part of this country. And if we can get kids safe all over the country, that's what we need to do. So you've told us about your office mm-hmm. and what you do. But can you tell us about Ben Wilcox? How did you get to be the state school security <laughs> marshal? You know, what led you here? Well, uh, I started at the Montgomery County Sheriff's Office. And uh, at that time, Columbine had just happened. And uh, my sheriff, you know, told me, I said, you're going to be the new first school resource officer in Montgomery County. And, and uh, really didn't know what a re- school resource officer did at that point. No one did. I mean, this was 1999 and, and uh, there wasn't a whole lot of SROs in the state. We all kind of went into school and we're like, what do we do? And the principal kind of looked at us and said, well, what am I going to do with you? And we worked it out. And, uh, you know, I had an opportunity to be there for six years. I loved working in the school. I found out I like to teach by working in the schools. And they asked me to do some teaching to the students. I said, man, this is pretty cool. I kind of like this. <laughs> Ended up meeting my wife uh, while I was working as an SRO. She was a middle school teacher, um, Angie, and we've been married for 20 years now. And started a relationship with her just being in the schools and, and learning about what she did. She was a special ed teacher. And I came to her class a lot and talked to her kids and had relationships with them. So then I got an opportunity to come to the academy, started teaching at the academy in uh, 04. 
did driving, did firearms, did yeah. all kinds of stuff, and really obviously enjoyed teaching, but always had that in the background of being an SRO. And when the School Safety Resiliency Act was passed, uh, I was offered a job as the state school security marshal because of my background in uh, education and uh, being an SRO. And it was kind of the same thing. Well, what's the state school security marshal do? And well, you're the first one. <laughs> and so, you know, we've learned as we've gone. We, we had a mandate we had to follow. We put it together the way we thought it would work the best. And it's worked. And uh, I think that the relationships that we've had with other agencies to help us with that, Kentucky Center for School Safety, Kentucky Department of Education, Kentucky Behavioral Health, that's all helped us mold what we're looking for. Homeland Security, I could go on and on of the different organizations we've worked with. And so that's me, and I've got two kids. They're both in school. My wife's still in education, so my whole family goes to school every day. Right. So it, I it gave am, you extra skin yeah, in the game. Yeah, I'm neck deep in school safety. I just dropped my two daughters off at the Madison Southern High School. I watch them walk in the building, and I want them behind locked doors. I want to make sure the teachers are trained. I want to make sure their SRO is there, and he's trained. And so that's that's what's driven me in this particular job is that, yeah, I got a lot of skin in the game. That's for sure. I do want to elaborate that, you know, I know this is going out to law enforcement. You all are huge partners in this. All of our compliance officers are former law enforcement. Uh, I think you know that. And as law enforcement, you may not be an SRO, but the people you protect still include those schools. We really want to make sure that we have good relationships between our schools and our law enforcement. And that means if you're beat, you have a school in it, and you stop at that school and you walk in, you're protecting those people just like if you were driving around the county. You know, stop at those schools, you know, check in the front door, tell the principal, hey, I'm here to walk around. What would you like me to do? Is there somebody you want me to talk to? That principal may come out and go, hey, look, we just need you to say hi or high five to this class. or Just your presence in that uniform, you don't understand how important it is to some kids. As a SRO, I didn't realize that until later on in my career that when a kid came and talked to me as a SRO or a police officer, it's because they felt safe or they knew we understand, understood what was going on in their home life because we'd been there. And so even if you're not a SRO, just having the fact of being in the schools or being at that ball game or, you know, connecting with those kids, if you say hi to a kid, you may be the only person that said hi to that kid that day. And now you're a person in a uniform that's doing it. Deep in the bowels of the law of the School Safety and Resiliency Act, it says that every child in a school should have at least one trusted adult. You could be that one trusted adult. Even not being an SRO, just walking to that ball game. if you've got the same kid that comes running up to you, he's looking for you. And it just may be, hey, how's the ball game going? How's school's going? And that's they don't get that at home. They don't get that at school. Just having those contacts, being in that uniform, and showing that you care, which I know you do, or otherwise you wouldn't be doing this job, means the world to these kids. And we see that every day. And it lets them know that if they are, if they ever find themselves in a bad situation, hopefully that's not at school, but in, in any situation at all, they know who they can come they to. see that uniform and they, they say, Officer so-and-so wears the same uniform as this one right here. I trust that person. I can go to them. So exactly. that's, that's, my, that's my message to you all is that, we have 635,000 students in the state of Kentucky, and they're looking for someone just to be nice to them and say hi. And, you know, you, you can be that person, and I want you all to be that person. 
Well, thank you for taking the time to talk with us today, Ben. Keep up the good work. Thank you so much. You will. Uh, And everyone, thank you for listening. More information about today's topic, including the report, can be found in this episode's show notes. Remember, you can find us on DOCJT's website under the training tab, on Apple Podcasts, and on Spotify. Until next time, I'm Critley King-Smith, and you have been listening to the Bluegrass Beat. We hope you join us again. We strive to make this podcast entertaining and informative would like to reach us with a comment or suggestion, contact us via the link in the show notes. You can subscribe to the Bluegrass Beat wherever you listen to podcasts. This has been a Team Kentucky and Department of Criminal Justice Training production.